Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small... In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about scrapbooking, journaling, and we have part one of our interview with Jackie King from Adoddle. Good evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening to this, welcome to another episode of The Kindness Project. Um, I'm joined by a man who is smashing his weight loss journey at the minute, which we'll talk about in a little while, and a girl who should have learned the lesson, don't play with scissors, and started off this podcast with scissors in her mouth. It's Charlotte Dames. How are we doing, ladies and gents? I mean, I I can't work out what you were doing. You were like Charlotte. You weren't Edward Scissorhands. You were more like Charlotte Scissormouth. If she don't talk now, you know she's cut her tongue off. <laughs> well, no, I just kind of... The podcast, right? So that, that's a bit extreme, isn't it? I wasn't really paying attention because I've got a pencil and a set of scissors right next to each other. I just picked it up and put it directly in my you know, mouth. What I'm confused about is... What are you using scissors and a pencil for? Like, you're you're at uni. You're not at, like... Is it crafts? Is well, it... I've got a scrapbook. Uh, ah. I've... I was was journaling and I realised journaling doesn't work super well for me. So I picked something that's a little bit more tactile and like involved. So I've been scrapbooking my my days. I suppose that's part of the challenge with technology. That doesn't sound well then. Well, I've got a book. It's got blank pages. And I just put stuff on them. You know? Some of them have little drawings or I made. Or... Some, I started at the beginning of uh, last year, started writing a journal. Well, I, I don't call it a journal, it's like a diary of thoughts. Mm. Yeah, mine's, mine's similar. Or like there's just bits of paper that hang off it in spirals. There's a scrap of fabric on that one. There's some posters I found and cut out and also a scrap of fabric. There's some from some stuff. Just is a bit more tactile than just doing nothing, isn't it? So it's interesting. I've got, I've, we, I'm going to talk to you about your diary writing or journaling, right? Because you guys are well ahead of the curve. On, but you're both well ahead of the curve on me. I know I should journal, and I, as you guys know, I write, but I don't journal. And it's it's interesting because I look at I look at it and go, you know what? Everybody I know who either as a diary or journal uh, gets real benefits from it. So help me understand what are the benefits for you with journaling? Why or or scrapbooking or writing a diary? Why do you do it? And what do you get out of it? Who are you asking, me or Charlotte? Who'd like to answer first? Let Charlotte go first. Uh, what do I get from it? Well, um, I I do a lot of thinking constantly. Like my brain doesn't quite switch off, and it's uh, it's nice to just get stuff out of there. But the reason I do the scrapbooking thing, other than the fact that it's a nice tactile way to do it, is because a lot of the time my brain doesn't think in words; it thinks in like feelings. And it's really hard to write sometimes. Like people ask me to explain it when I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling a bit a lot right now. And I'm just like, I don't know how to explain it. Here's a a drawing of a fire or uh, here's some spirals I made out of paper. Or like sometimes I'll be having a good day and I'll make paper lattices. So I have like loads of note cards that I bought specifically for it. And I cut them into strips and I make them into like lattice weaves. Hold on, I've got one on my pinboard. I know the audience can't see it, but just sort of as a visualisation of what I mean. That's quite cool. Or, like, I have loads of fabric always lying around because I like sewing. Not very good, but, you know. I'm recording this, so what I'll do is I'll take a little snippet of that and... Yeah. But you know what's interesting? I You talk about your um, relationship with your own emotions... And I, 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 I might be a bit biased here. Um, so uh, that might be true. But having read your amazing writing, I 
don't know many other people who can write the way you can write about emotional subjects. What what is it that allows you to like why 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 is scrapbooking for you? Knowing that I you can write emotionally is better than than, than actually writing poetry. Is, or, is that writing fictional emotionally or is that writing? No, no. I I I uh, poetry is also another one of those things. I think when I'm writing about it in my poetry, a lot of the time it's difficult to be like, and this is the emotion, and just like name it and yeah. put a label on it. But to sort of be like, and this is sort of the imagery it makes me think of, or this is the idea that I associate with it. Like, this is the thing that sort of connects it in my brain. Yeah, it's visualising, like, right? Yeah, I visualise things a lot. And poetry is a lot about imagery uh, a lot of the time, um, especially in my case. Uh, so it's sort of like, it makes more sense. A lot of my emotions make more sense to me in less literal terms. So a lot of my emotions make more sense as metaphors or similes or pictures or tangible things like that I can scrunch or something um, yeah. than as if someone was like, explain to me what you think anger is because I don't know if I could. You know. We were talking about like journaling and, 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 and why you don't do that. Is that because that's just simply, and if I'm wrong here, tell me Charlotte, um, I'd imagine from what you've said, that's a bit root one, right? That's yeah. A bit, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit like, it's like if someone asks me how I feel, I just sort of have to go, yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it to you. I find yeah. it difficult to articulate yeah. normally. How do you feel, Charlotte? I feel like a leaf on a wave. Uh, yeah, it does. saying something like that makes me sound like an arrogant prick. <laughs> No, it doesn't. Not at all. Yeah, Not at all. Why, why, why does it matter with using poetic language every now and again, Russ? Yeah, why not? I mean, Ru Ru Russ, Charlotte, Russ is the Roy Kent of this relationship. Well, let me, let me tell Best you. Words if, I said, if I said to anybody, yeah, we you, and they somehow we clap trap like that, I've been... All right. You need some white coats. So that, that, yeah, it's like that, I, I felt so like I was talking to one of my mates about going to college during lockdown. Um and like it was it was late, it was like no it was like midnight and I was just like, Yeah, the, because of the way that we weren't really allowed to leave the house and the way we were restricted even in those environments it was sort of like commuting from one cage to another and he was like that's poetic i was like oh no i've done it again are you allowed to be poetic <laughs> poetic being poetic is fine i'm just well i'm just conscious of uh Rossi's poetic line right so if you said if you russ if you if you said charlotte how was lockdown for you and she went i feel like it's commuting from one cage to another. Now, she, clearly she didn't say it that way, but I'm, I'm just adding a bit of poetic license. I feel it's like commuting from one cage to another. What would you think, Russ? I'd nod and smile. That's not what I'd think. How pretentious it was. That's not what I'd think, but I'd nod and smile. Yeah. I've got a whole list of things that I've said to people and they've turned around and gone, that's kind of pretentious. Yeah, but you know what? I, genuinely, I think as long as we're being authentic to our true selves, mm. um, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, really, is it? If we're yeah. feeling poetic, be poetic. If we're feeling direct, as long as it's done in a way that we understand that everybody else has got their own perspective on the world, be direct. Um, you know, just just do it in a way that makes sense to you. And, you know, if people, whatever people perceive it to be, I think we just, as humans, probably spend a lot longer than we need to worrying about what other people think. Yeah, probably. Now, Russ, talk to me about what you get out of journaling. Come on, get out of me. What it does for me, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm pretty void of emotion. I don't cry. 
and pretty much the only emotion I properly feel is anger. And around the time I started, well, it was recommended to me. I was angry all the time. And uh, it it just helps me. When was that? Last week? Well. <laughs> last Tuesday, wasn't it? Last year. Uh, it just helps me. It's gibberish, more or less. Just, mm. You couldn't read it and think to yourself, well, that was going on at that time, or it's, it's just stuff that goes on in my head. I'm like, I'm like Charlotte, I never shut down. Yeah. I'm always, always going, my mind. But I think getting that, though, just those thoughts out but, of your head and all well, the it, 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 It's not that. The biggest one for me is my thought patterns are very negative. Mm. They're not positive in the sense of, oh, you've done well there. I'm always looking at things and thinking, could have done that better. That would have been better if that happened. Okay, that's interesting. Always negative. But how much progress have you made? I've made a lot more progress than I thought I would. I'm, I'm... I'm trying new things now, which for for me is very unusual. Try try poetry, Russ. I think I think I'd love to read a piece with you saying leave well, on leave. I nearly I nearly said when you said how how does that make you feel? Like a pent up lion in a pen <laughs> with fire. <laughs> like a pent up lion. Are you a lion, Charlotte, or are you a panda? That's the question. And then oh, I would have been. Sorry, I am a sorry to sorry to my audience. I am being a bit self-referential. Um Well it's not self-referential, is it? It's well, it's not self-referential, it's it's show referential. Because I Charlotte said to me a little while ago, Dad, you gotta watch this show. And oh, I was yeah. like I'm a bit selective about the telly I watch, and I I don't want to watch any. I want to watch stuff that's good and. You're selective. Yeah. Oh, Russ is doing the nodding and smiling thing. What do you want to say, Russ? Smile away. <laughs> what do you want to say? Well, I was just wondering where you got selective from. Right, what my wife watches... No, 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 no. I've I'm, I'm seen you sitting there. Right, right. What's Just this one? Love what that one story? Own it, all right? Own it. Oh, direct. Own it. <laughs> right, just... Yeah, he is a bit selective, except Married at First Sight Australia just happens to be in that selection. It's the UK one now. Oh... <laughs> Right, Russ, it was on for you because I know you had a election <laughs> for one of the... Um, the only right, you said to me, put it on because I love one of the contestants, Russ. I did, I did, I did. That, no. that, that's no. what happened. No, that's not what happened. That's what happened. I saw your eyebrows go... Much to, my, much to my surprise, I looked up and... There, there was an attractive woman on the on the on the thing. Charlotte, do you know in cartoons when somebody's eyebrows go above their actual head? Yeah. That's what happened when Russell was watching. That's surprise. Okay. Surprise. Was it surprise, Russ? I've seen surprise. That look was something else. Um. Uh, anyway, Ted Lasso. Is it? I, I, you know what I said earlier on, Ted Lasso, and I realised that was completely wrong. Ted Lasso, um, I'm sure we're going to talk about this on future podcasts. I don't want to go into it too deeply on this one. But if you haven't seen this show, it might be one of the sweetest, deepest, funniest, kindest shows I've seen in a long time. Really, I haven't even finished it yet. Um, and the fact that it's based, the fact that West Ham's in it quite a lot is all right, but then you know, interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and and just yeah, I'm I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it and yeah. learning a lot from it, which is which is all, but not in a 
not in a pretentious way, not in a bookish way, just in a great in a poetic of, way. In a in a like a lion in a cage. Russ. Oh yeah. I'm sure I've I'm sure you've stolen that from Greg Bolter, by the way. That'll be that'll be next week's quote on the uh, LinkedIn, wouldn't it? <laughs> Russell Dames. Can we can we get can we get AI descriptions of us? So just what we're talking about is when we're doing work for the business, because as you probably know, we all do a bit of work for the family financial planning firm. Uh, uh, we have been using AI to generate some of the images. Yeah, what I'd yeah. like to do, Russ, is do an AI image of Russell Dames. I might run that through later and see where it comes out with. Perfect. <laughs> one, one of me, one of you and one of Charlotte. I'll have a look. All recording the kindness project. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? I'll have a look. I don't, I don't know if we'll get it exact, but hmm. okay, that's fine. Um, anyway, what else is going on in our, our lives that we want to talk about? Yeah. I'm coming back for a week. You are. You're back to London. How's the weather up in Glasgow at the minute? Cold. We've just had a storm. I'm I'm just back from Turkey, so London's feeling cold for, for me at the minute. <laughs> we, I am looking forward to seeing you and giving you a massive. Uh, yeah, like as I'm recording this, I leave in. It's five o'clock now, half five. I leave in six hours, so. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. How about you, Ralph? Uh. Yeah, I'm looking at another holiday. As you know, we are looking at Pompeii. We are. Wrong, yes. And I'm looking at two weeks. And I'm looking at two weeks at the end of summer next year I'm in Dorset. Oh nice. Where are you going uh, to Dorset? Uh Dorset. That's all we know at the moment. I'm waiting for the book. Alright, okay, you're going to yeah. holiday camp, are you? Yeah, me and Kenny are going with Kenny's mum and dad. Oh very nice. And then uh I've been losing some weight. Go on and talk a bit about that. I'm, I'm, I, I was 29 stone beginning of the year. I'm now just above 23. That is brilliant. That is so good. How are you feeling for it? Much better. Much better. Mm. So you're like a slightly less rotund lion in your cage now, aren't you? Well... I'm a, I'm more baby elephant than adult elephant now. Oh, good. Oh, Charlotte, can you please comment on that? I don't know where to go. With yeah, that. that's, that's poetic for you. Baby yeah. elephants are a lot, a lot, a lot smaller than grown elephants. Like, I think I don't think that's any amount of human weight that is sustainable in difference. No. no. Anyway, on that note, let's move on to an episode of Kindness News. Oh, no, before we do that, before we do that, your joke of the week, so you can do a bit of googling while while oh look at she loves a bit of joke of the week. This girl, um, it's do. we we I I want um I want what do I want? I have spoken about uh, Ted Lasso jokes, journaling, journaling jokes, scrapbooking. Scrapbooking jokes, jokes about the country of Turkey or turkeys, elephant jokes, and lions trapped in cages jokes. Whatever one you wanted, to, or jokes jokes about poetry. That is your um, that is your mission to come up with a joke or two in any of those areas. On that note, let me tell you a little bit about. Um, uh, Kindness News Artist ed- Edition, uh, and today I want to talk about a lady called Alison, who is um, who is doing amazing stuff uh, uh, and doing paying the kindness forward in her community. Uh, Alison McWhorter's paintings have achieved global recognition, attracting a devoted following of private collectors whilst gaining admiration of artists and art critics alike. 
but decade ago, things were very different. Then she was working in teaching and publishing when her terminally ill father told her, you're a painter. You've always wanted to be a painter. So go and be a painter. Alison, who grew up in Newbridge, Dumfries, followed his advice and has just held a solo exhibition, Summer Palette, at the Anand Gallery, Charlotte, in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. The city she moved to in 2013 to pursue her, pursue her dream to become an artist. When I left art school, I was ill-equipped to become a full-time artist. I didn't have the mental agility, resources, confidence, or the skills required to make it. My dad started the siege germinating. I remember sitting with him in the hospice and showing some images from the first gallery I was working with, and I saw him gently smiling. He would be very proud if she... Oh, God, you know what? This is a story about dads, and I've, I've, I've... been watching Ted Ted Lasso and talking about dads quite a lot today, and it's amazing. I love this story. He would be very proud to see me if he could see me today. I'm certain my dad has come back as a sunflower, as they appear in so many of my paintings. Her father's death was the start of so much loss for Alison, who also lost her brother from a brain hemorrhage. Painting helped her cope. And she said, grief is not linear. And everyone had, had, who's had those difficult moments to deal with, um, but for me, a daily painting practice has gave my life substance and meaning. Again, it fits, doesn't it? Because we've been talking about those daily practices of journaling and scrapbooking that help us um, navigate life. As an artist well-known at home and abroad, Alison believes the latest exhibition comes as she enters the next phase of her career. She said, I feel like I'm just beginning again. It's emboldening to have become the confident artist I knew I should be. When I started out, I was anxious, I was naive, and it was a struggle. I'm in a much stronger position now. A graduate of the prestigious Bath Spa Academy, Alison has shown her work uh, in New York, Hong Kong, and Singapore. And now she's giving that kindness back by mentoring young artists. Um, And she said, it's so tough to make a living whilst being true to your art. So many artists become demotivated, despondent and depressed in their 20s and 30s. These are vibrant, creative, intelligent and wonderful human beings, but they don't have the openings. We must have a much more glorious perspective about what art is, what it does for our culture, and how important and enriching it is. Art is often viewed as a hobby, but it can be a very fulfilling career. And I love the fact that she's making her dad proud, not only doing the work she loves, but also helping um, pay it forward. I just think if we've been lucky in life, we've got the opportunity to pay it forward. We should. What do you guys think? Yeah, I definitely think so. And, 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 how that manifests itself is different for all of us, right? You know, so, so like, what, how we choose to do it. Uh, what, what examples of paying it forward do you love, Charlotte? It's a tricky question, I think, because I don't actually see a lot of examples of it in everyday life. I think, like, I think it should happen more than it definitely does. But, um, I suppose like small small instances are always the best like when you go on facebook and there's someone giving away old baby blankets for free or old cots and stuff it's always good and interesting um or like winter coats and stuff there's the physical stuff but there's also what i see a lot of is like the pay forward to help people with their careers you know like people who like have got loads of experience and then support the next generation to come through and 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 support. I absolutely love it. How about you, Russ? What do you what what examples of paying it forward do you love? I like the ones like on uh, I see on Facebook where people are paid for people shopping and that sort of stuff. Oh, I like that as well. I think I think I think sometimes it's easy to walk by people and. And, and not realise there's something going on and then but I'll turn a blind eye 
turn a blind eye to somebody struggling. Yeah, but helping out in whatever way you can is, yeah. is 100% what, what we should do. Uh, let's move on to our interview. We've got part one of our interview with Jaggy King from uh, Idoddle. You know, what Jaggy's done with a map of people who are genuinely paying it forward by, you know, looking at the whole of the UK and seeing how many people contribute positively to their communities is amazing. So uh, I hope you enjoy part one of this interview. Welcome to uh, an interview I have been looking forward to all week. Jackie, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I have been looking forward to this so much as well. So thank Amazing. you so much. Amazing. I'm really, really excited about interviewing you for, for the podcast. And uh, as a bit of prep, we've got our questions ready and we want to really explore uh, what ADODL does and, and how, how it positively impacts lives but as a bit of research i've just been obsessed with the map this morning i've just been playing with the map and you know what it has done it's really encouraged me bear in mind the map is still in evolution isn't it and there's yeah. be a lot more community uh and 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 sort of people doing good uh, organizations that are doing good to go on there but it really encourages encourages you that there's so much stuff out there where people are doing good yeah. that I didn't know about um, and it's just it's it's amazing but I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself so before we do that uh, tell us a bit about you. Oh a bit about me oh I'm I'm a grandma in tech yeah I think that's the way I sort of I, I sort of fell into it um, I'm a mum I've got three children I've got five grandchildren and my children have all left home and I've sort of fallen into this world of working in tech um, but tech for good and I adore it um, I was god a little bit about me when I was really young I my family had a family hotel so I've been sort of like in service of people since I was seven so I started work at seven um, you know doing the washing up in the kitchen and then learning how to go out keep people's rooms clean so they were happy when they got back and then waitressing and trying to anticipate what people needed and then getting that smile and let's say being a mercenary child loving getting the tips at the end of the week as well so you learn yeah. that if you do that well you got the tips so let's just be very honest as a as a teenager I loved that um but it was always about thinking ahead and in a strange way, I think what I do now is a bit like that. Then, what do people need? What what's what's out there? And yeah, and there's a story how I got into it, but I'm sure that'll come out in a while because I'll waffle. You'll need to stop me. No, I'm 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 I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, we you know, we we won't be able to tell the stories um, in 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 the way that that they feel most comfortable. I tell you what's interesting that, and I've I've had funny enough, I've had two conversations at work this week about. <laughs> Um, doing well, doing good. And I think being in service of others, um, and you've got to create boundaries and make sure that you can do that in a way that helps you and helps them and, you know, uh, and, and, and you're comfortable with. But being in service of others as a, as a starting point mentality is not a bad way to be, right? Yeah, I think it's... I mean, I think there are times in, I, I, I don't know about you, there are times in your life, I think that bit that you said about setting boundaries, there are yeah. times in your life when you're, you've been brought up to help and to always think of others and everything else that you forget about yourself and you suddenly find that you're exhausted and you need to pull back. And you tend to find that when you pull back, people suddenly are a bit offended. <laughs> yeah. So it's about trying to create that. And in, in a way, when I moved to doing what I do now, that actually allowed me to take a little bit of a step back because I used to hear the stories of the people who'd slipped through the cracks, who hadn't found help, whose lives had spiralled out of control and some of them had lost everything. Yeah, and yeah. those stories, I would be, I, I wouldn't sleep at night because I'd be thinking of those people and how could I help? So actually what I do now is I'm a little bit detached. I still get to hear the stories but I'm doing something that in a way I think can help. Yeah, and it's I agreed. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the interesting thing is is my philosophy on this, and I don't know whether I'm right. I'm 
I'm still sort of evolving my thought process on, on this. Um, if you're kind to yourself first, that gives you m more energy and space to be kind to others. Um, and that sort of, I suppose, how I how I frame it. Um, so we talked about the map at the start. What's the story with the map? Okay, so in my own life, I've had times where I've really struggled and I've had some, you know, that lived experience that people talk about. But gosh, it's 13 years ago now. I was um, a trainer and I was helping people who'd been out of work long term due to illness and disability. And my role was to help them rediscover their confidence and self-esteem. And yeah. I adored it. I absolutely loved it. Until one day, one of my managers told me that a number of my clients um, couldn't come in anymore. He actually referred to them as no hopers. Um because basically the company I worked for at that time, they didn't feel they would get the income in because they didn't think uh -huh. people would go back into work. So it was all about money. And I was really privileged at the time that I had a little bit of savings and my first grandchild had been born. And so I decided I'd quit my job because the one thing that I'd seen for everybody, had they found help and support at an earlier stage, many of them wouldn't have got to the point where some sadly had tried to take their own lives, families had split up, homes had been lost. The stories were just enough to, as I said earlier, stop you from sleeping because you'd worry about them. So I thought, well, surely there's got to be a way of helping people find the help that exists already in their communities through charities, community groups, etc. And so I decided to start working on it. And so I quit my job. I ran out of savings a long, 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 long time ago. <laughs> um, and yeah, that went a long time ago. But the stories I've heard and the and thinking that you go to Google Maps and find a hotel or restaurant virtually anywhere in the world and make an informed decision. But you couldn't do that with help and support. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's crazy. So I decided to work on a way to create a map that could help people to find those things and that's how a doddle started and we're now the uk's first network of connected area-based community maps so we've got over 100 maps across the, we've got the one main one then over 100 area ones as well um and you could go on a map in cornwall and you if you've got a relative in scotland who needs help and support you could scroll all the way up to scotland and you can Love see it. the results there. So it's all connected. Yeah. And it doesn't matter why you're looking. You could be looking for yourself or a friend or family member. You could be looking for help or somewhere to volunteer. Or you could be a business looking to find an organisation that you want to support. Um, or you could be a social prescriber looking for somewhere to recommend for one of your clients. So the map is there for everybody, no matter what your need in the community. And social prescription has become a larger thing, isn't it? That signposting element of people saying, look, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to help, but here's somebody who can specialise in this area. is certainly growing in prominence. Yeah. Talk to me about the big challenges 13 years ago with the map, the challenges throughout the journey and where you are today. Oh, wow. I mean, the challenges... Yeah, I mean, to start with, it was, what do we do? Um, you know, what what is what's the solution to helping people? And so in 2012, I put the idea of creating a map into the global Sir Richard Branson and Virgin Unite challenge to screw business as usual. And the idea of the map over a four month period was voted third by the public. And we had right. people from other countries getting in contact saying, we need this in our country as well. So our goal is to make it work here effectively and be self-sustainable and then make it so it can be replicated in other countries. So we've got big, hairy, audacious yeah. goals. Um, and so that was the idea. The first two attempts at building a platform failed. Well, they didn't fail. They both, just before we were about to launch them, things went wrong. So I suppose that, that is failed, actually. Um, and then I met this incredible young gentleman um, who was younger than my youngest son. And I met him in Bristol. And three times he said to me, I love what you're doing. I want to help. And on the third time, I thought, I've got I've got to connect with him. I've got to have a meeting. Well, we've never looked back. He's still with us today. He's built amazing. all of our tech. He's done it. It's absolutely amazing. Um, he's quite remarkable. He works full time as well. Um, and 
yeah, we couldn't have done it without him. And it, he's just, yeah, he's quite remarkable. Um, we've, Love that. He's built our two platforms because we've got a sister platform as well, which I must admit, I I haven't really done anything with, but it's it's a way that in the future we can get an income in that will fund the map. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. And so we launched the first map in 2016. And as I say now, we've got over 100 area maps. We've got just over 3,000 organisations on the map so far. It's totally free for them to create a profile. It doesn't cost them anything. Um, we use a unique traffic light system so that people can see how old the information is on the map. So if a pinpoint on the map is green, it shows it's been updated in the last six months. Right. If it's turquoise, it's six to 12. And if it's blue, it's over 12. Gray means it's been more than two years. But the thing is, some of those organizations, they may have lost their sign in details. Somebody may have left their role. So you can still go to the profile, but you know how much you can rely on the information. Your yeah. expectations are managed at the beginning. But if you go on to say a gray one, and you check out their social media if they've got it, you can see if they're still active. Sure. So you sure. know whether you can get in contact. And so, yeah, we we built everything that we've done based on why other mapping had failed. So we, actually, we, we actually interviewed organisations that had failed with it or organisations that had invested money into mapping and then never used it. And it was like, why? What were the problems? So we hope we've, in fact, People have told us we've addressed a lot of those issues. There will always be something to do. I love it. And looking at the map now, I can see that sort of every single green sort of button on the map yeah. is effectively this is when it was updated last and and therefore this is how yeah. up to date the information is. Yeah. I've just clicked on one at random that I want to ask you about. Cool. And, and I, I just want to... What I'd like to do is understand a little bit about the proportions of like the support that's been delivered and and and, and people get. So okay. the one I've clicked on is about free tech support for older people and the disabled. Oh, Ability Net. Ability Net. They are incredible as an organisation, and they're based, I think, it is up in London, but they've got volunteers across the whole of the country, and so they're always wanting new volunteers. But they've got these amazing volunteers that go out and support either older people or people with disabilities, often in their homes, to use tech in the way that they want to or need to use yeah, tech. Love that, um, which is just incredible. I I love what they do, and um, in fact, even my mum has had support from somebody at AbilityNet. She oh, was struggling it. with things like connecting her iPad to her printer and being able to do things like that. And somebody came along and spent an afternoon with her and helped her. Perfect. What, like, actually in the room? Actually in the room. Amazing. Yeah, and helped her. Because often if people are struggling with um, with tech... To have somebody on the other end of a, an iPad or something like that saying, do this or do that or do the other. Is it defeats the purpose, doesn't it? Yeah. You need somebody, yeah. So, yeah, so so there can be people out there in the community that are happy to give a couple of hours, you know, a week and support and make that difference for somebody who's older, who is disabled or housebound or something like that. And ability net connects those connects two them. people oh i love yeah that. they do they do they do all the checks to make sure you know there's the safety and everything else done and, and whatever else so that ability net takes care of that and then they connect the people love it absolutely love it help me understand how your journey's been with technology so 13 14 years ago you you were a trainer clearly yeah, but used used technology for work but now you are a tech social entrepreneur who who's who's day so how, how was it mindset that had to change to make that shift what was it that you've learned about technology over that period of time um, you see i suppose it started before then so years ago i'd been poorly and i needed to stay with my my mum and dad so that they could look after my kids when they were little and my dad had just got his first computer and he said oh just go up and play with it and I was just like, oh, my goodness, because I'm dyslexic. And suddenly there was this amazing tool that opened up my world. And so that's where it started. And then 
when I was a trainer, I actually got an opportunity to train when laptops were very first introduced. Right. I took laptops out to um, women play workers, so female play workers in rural areas in Devon. And I would show them how to use it. So I wrote the course, designed the course to design the support and everything else. Helped them to learn how to use it, left the laptops with them for four weeks and had to do telephone support before you could connect computers to each other. They had to literally say to me, this is what my screen looks like and I had to help them. (laughs) So I did that. Then I'd go back and I'd give them their um, plate exam at the end. So that's sort of, I got into it that way. And then I taught older and bolder and things like that, which was great. And then, of course, I got into this. and. The journey of learning has been incredible because technology is amazing and can be used for good or bad, but technology can be incredibly isolating. And I like the fact that we're using it to actually connect people with the communities they live in and trying to, but we, we took something that another big company, Google had invested millions and millions in mapping. Well, if it wasn't effective, they would have stopped investing money in it. Yeah. So it was a it was something that people were already doing. They were already using Google to and Google Maps to find things. So we decided Maps is the way to go. Yeah. Because people yeah. it's a behavior people already have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's been it's been the most incredible journey. I mean, I do all sorts of things now, and I think I'm fairly tech literate. But if you ask me something tech-wise that I know nothing about, I will come across as the biggest dummy there is, because I I know what I know, but but I yeah, also yeah. If but I don't, also also yeah. as you said with your uh, with your colleague, just using the skills of people who are really good at what they do is is, yeah. is, is the is the element of doing it. But you're right. I mean, like we we as you said, so like you use Google Maps for the nearest restaurant or shop or to work yeah. out where you're going, using using a version of mapping to get yeah. to a point where your um uh your funding support you need is is the next natural step, isn't it? Um talk to me. We love a story on the kindness project, Jack, yeah. as you know, because um Normally, it's about Russell's technology in his uh, in his kitchen and how he keeps him chucking it in my yeah. direction. But um, uh, tell us a story that best describes the work that you do. What story have you heard from one of your service users, one one of the charities that sort of use your mapping tool? Anybody really that describes how it helps? So I'm going to use it in this way. I'm going to say imagine because I think that protects the identity potentially sure. of the person involved. Get that. So imagine you struggled going out and, of your home and you didn't really like people that much because actually interacting with people was really daunting and that was part of what you struggled with. Yet you wanted to get out and you wanted to do something. Then imagine that you found somewhere like Blue Cross Cats Okay, now that might not sound like a charity that could provide help to somebody in the community. It's more about animals. Mm. Imagine you found Blue Cross Cats and you went and you volunteered there to sit in the in the in the cages with the cats before they're rehomed, keeping them acclimatized to human beings. Yeah. So you're sat there. Somebody's in the next one. You don't have to make eye contact, but you slowly start talking. Then imagine that becomes a friendship and you go for a walk or a coffee and imagine that that journey of those things helps you to move back into work because before then you weren't. Yeah. Now, everyone's journey is totally different. Now, let's now imagine another scenario. You're at home, you live on your own, you struggle hugely with tinnitus. Again, you may not think that the map might help with that. And imagine you find a local mindfulness group where you can go and connect. Yeah. amazing and that helps you to manage that and manage that or it could be managing pain or something like that imagine that you've retired and that actually life just feels a bit like oh gosh what do I do now but you've got skills or even you just don't mind washing up and you go and find somewhere to volunteer like the local um, lunch club for older and bolder or for knit and natter or something like that and you're happy to go in the kitchen and do the washing up or you're happy to come out or you're an amazing singer 
and you're happy to go to the local memory cafe and you're happy to sing songs for the people there that take them back to when they are. Imagine you're a grandparent who's lost contact with your grandchildren and you find the grandparent support group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine you're a man who's out of work and you find suited and booted in London who help you with your interview skills and then help you to have clothes for going for your interview. And it gets you back into work and then you can afford to take your wife out for a meal or your kids out for a day or you can do something. This is what all of these amazing charities and community groups do. They touch people's lives in ways that we could never imagine unless we hear these stories or we've experienced it ourselves. Yeah. And there are... You know what's interesting about all of those? That's about using technology to maintain, like, using that connection that you make with the map into a really human connection a lot of times, yeah. isn't it? In a way that that individual is comfortable with. Yeah. Charlotte, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because, like, a lot of people struggle with things that sort of are very cyclical in nature of, like, I'm lonely but i'm scared to go out because of this and that makes me lonely and which makes me more scared to go out because what if people don't react so the sort of non sort of like if someone says oh i'm i'm lonely your immediate reaction would like in your head be go out and meet some people but it's not that, that simple for a lot of people isn't it yeah yeah so like instead of taking the straightforward route finding like ways around it is really interesting yeah, and and that and that doing doing something. I mean, cats are an interesting one, Charlotte. Because do you remember that time we were in Japan? You took <laughs> to that cat cafe. Oh, I those mean, cats that, did not like you. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm I'm probably more of a dog person, Jackie, than a cat person, if I'm being honest. And literally, Charlotte said to me, "Do you reckon you're more of a what are you, Jackie, a cat or dog person?" I'm a cat person. I have to admit. How about you, Charlotte? Well, I'm a I'm a dog person, but I wouldn't object to a cat. Oh, you're ambivalent about dogs and cats. Um, how about you, Raz? What are we having, dogs or cats? I prefer cats. You prefer cats. Um, so, but because Charlotte doesn't mind a cat, she took me to this cat cafe in the middle of Tokyo, Jackie. Um, and. I thought I'm there. I'll give it a go. I'm not a cat person, but we'll sort of uh, we'll sort of give it. And there was hundreds of cats in this cafe. Um, and literally, I thought I've got, I've, I've, I've got to make the effort. I've got to try and stroke one, right? <laughs> so walked up to this cat, tried to stroke it. It turned round, and literally, human, animal, anything. I've never seen a look of such disdain in my life. <laughs> Like, it was like, do not touch really me. Funny. Do not, don't you dare stroke <laughs> me. And I was like, I, I, you know, but as you just say, because, because like that connection, like animals are a really interesting way to maintain a, a securitous link to a human relationship, isn't it? You know, it's just. I, I, I think like, um, when I first moved up here for university, um, I made a couple of friends like my first day here but it was like tenuous link and then someone was like why don't we go to the cat cafe There's a lo we got a local one and now as a group we've been at least four times and like we've got a group group chat and we all go to quiz every Monday and just yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but, but, but the, I mean the examples you gave Jackie are all about human connection but doing it in a way where people were because we're all I think we recognise now that we're all different in terms yeah. of, of building those relationships what have you learned most about sort of working with these organisations that help people do you think Oh, every single one of the organisations that, that we've had direct contact with has been started by somebody who either had lived experience, something had happened to them, or they knew somebody, that, or they'd seen this problem and they wanted to help and support. Yeah. It's, it's never been about them. It's about making a difference in somebody else's life. Yeah. It's, very rarely do you meet egos 
in the small local charities Uh, and i'm going to bring it down to that because i think when it comes to some of the the bigger ones and i don't mean this against any of the bigger ones because they're bigger they're they're almost like fighting against each other because they need to get everything whereas the smaller ones you're you're just yes you're always concerned about funding and how you can afford to pay what you're doing to pay for what you're doing and the support that you give but it's it's a little bit more in house, and they're just the most incredible people. Um, I mean, I think I mentioned Bristol Grandparents Support earlier, and I mean, I remember speaking to the lady from there. She was one of the first profiles that went on the map. Right, incredible, absolutely lovely lady Jane, and it had come about because of the experience that she was having, and she knew how she struggled, so she wanted to be there to support others. Love but it. in the process of supporting others, she was supporting herself. Hundred percent, and she was getting some. Thing. and every single one of the people that you speak to I can't think of an exception to the rule has all said that they sometimes feel selfish for what they do because of what they get from it yeah 100% 100% that was part one of the interview tis the end of another tis podcast but the end is never really the end because what we've got now is Charlotte's joke of the week Right, you are. I do have several of them. Where'd that come from? Always got a notepad. Um, Helps to take notes in meetings, you know, like. Um, What do you want to start with? I've got a journaling joke, uh, a poetry joke, and a lion joke. Couldn't find a zoo lion one specifically, but, you know. Ross, what do you want to go for? Lion, journaling, or poetry? Poetry. What did the poet say to Luke Skywalker? May the verse be with you. Close. That's good. I like that one. Metaphors be with you. Like metaphors, yeah. Metaphors be with you. Okay, okay. I thought my punchline was better, to be honest, but yeah. um, I'll, I'll live with that. Go on. Uh, I, we have the lion joke next. What do you call a lion wearing a stylish outfit? Don't know. A dandelion. <laughs> I really like that. And we are, we will finish on the... Journaling joke. I just found out that the man who stole my journal died. My thoughts are with his family. <laughs> 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 That's the end of another podcast. One of my favourite jokes Charlotte's ever told. That is one of the best. And we'll see you next time on the Kindness Project. Bye. Bye.